Hey, thanks so much for joining me on Between the Two of Us, a mental health podcast. I'm your host, Jen Alley, a licensed professional counselor, wife, and mom. In this podcast, we will talk about modern day life as it relates to your mental health. Drawing on my professional experiences of being a therapist the last 14 years, my background in education, and my personal experiences, I want to help you feel less alone in your struggles while teaching you what I wish everyone knew about brain science and mental health. While this podcast isn't therapy, I will offer practical tools and strategies grounded in neuroscience to improve your relationships, life, and mental wellness. Thanks so much for listening. Grab your cup of coffee or your walking shoes and let's get started. Hello, welcome back to Between the Two of Us. This is episode five and we are going to talk today about the power of awareness. And when I say the power of awareness, what I really mean is the ability to be reflective in the moment, to kind of be able to check in with what's going on inside of us. And this is definitely a skill that we are usually not taught. Um, It's a hard skill in many ways to develop. And so if it's something you can't really do or it feels really uncomfortable, I want you to know that you're not alone, that again, this is something that we develop through practice. And we're going to talk today about specific ways to develop this. But let me back up for a second and tell you a little bit about what got me thinking about this. You know, I think teaching people how to watch their own mind or how to be aware of what's happening is probably one of the most important things that I teach. And the reason for this is that because you know, a lot of our life is already on autopilot. Um, the a Harvard study back in 2010 said that the average person spends about 47% of their day on autopilot, just doing their automated behaviors, right, while their thoughts wander to whatever is going on around them, maybe or inside of them, but not focused on the task at hand. And They also found that the more time we spend doing these automated behaviors without attention or awareness, the less happy we are likely to feel, which is kind of weird, right? Maybe a little surprising. And so, you know, for our brains, they tried, our brains try to automatize everything that they can because learning new things, doing new things, bringing awareness is calorically expensive. In other words, our brains want to conserve energy. And so as a result, our brains learn to automatize. And in many ways, that's a gift, right? We don't have to learn when we walk into a room what another person is or what the floor is or how to sit in a chair, because these are things that we've done over and over again, even to the point where we can automatize driving a car, right? Have you ever gotten somewhere and you're like, oh, I don't even remember driving here. How did I come today? Which route did I take? And you can't even remember. And so it's human nature. It's normal that we automatize a lot of our life. But if we automatize everything, if we stop being present, right, it's really easy to go through our whole lives without very much awareness And without awareness, right, it's hard to not only know ourselves, it's also hard to have connection or relationships that are healthy with other people. 
And of course, back to that research from Harvard, we also want to feel more happy, which means we have to be able to bring our attention and awareness to the present moment. So we think of that as mindfulness, mindfulness practices. And I want to kind of expand today on that because it's bringing mindfulness and awareness, but it doesn't just serve us in ways of being more happy. I think that's certainly one of the things it can do, but also it helps us when we're in struggle. So let me give you a concrete example. I was having a morning where we were getting ready to go somewhere. I was busy. I was in the bathroom getting ready and my son was just having a really tough morning and he was having kind of a meltdown. And as he was having this meltdown, um, I think there was a point at which I just was feeling really frustrated. Now, many times right? I wouldn't have been able to notice this and I would have maybe just kind of snapped at him or reacted in a way that I wouldn't have felt good about. But in that moment, because I was able to bring awareness, it was like I was able to watch him and I was able to watch myself and I was able to see, ugh like this little boy is having a hard time and this mom is having a hard time. And as I was able to do that, it it gave me this space, right? This kind of gap or space between what I was feeling and then what I did next. And so part of the beauty of being able to be aware is it gives us more options to respond in a different way instead of just having an automatic response of reactivity or frustration or anger or irritation or whatever that might look like. Um, it helps us, maybe even a pot, we might even have a positive automatic reaction. But maybe we need to set a boundary, right? So by being more aware in the moment, we're more likely to be able to connect with ourselves and then respond in a more thoughtful way instead of just letting whatever happens next happen next. Let's talk about the difference between the mind and the brain. And if this is blowing your mind right now because you're like, wait, what? There's a difference between my mind and my brain? You're not alone, right? Many times we don't even really know, like, what is our mind? And Dan Siegel, who is a practitioner as well as a professor of psychiatry, he's a super smart dude, and he defines the mind as an embodied and relational process that regulates the flow of energy and information, So to kind of break that down, embodied means that it's happening throughout our body and relational means it's happening even in relationship to other people. And it's regulating the flow of energy throughout our body, throughout our nervous system and information. And so our minds can actually change the structure of our brains. And the reason why is because experiences cause neurons in our brain to fire in specific or certain ways. So when we have a new experience, maybe we predict a certain thing is going to happen and then we have a different experience. 
it actually changes the structure of our brain. So what's really cool about that, and if this is tricky or confusing, just hang in there with me. We're going to give you some really practical applications of this. But something cool about this is, is that if you are maybe offering someone kindness and compassion when they expected judgment or criticism, something really neat happens in their brain and this new neural like possibility, this new thing is born. And so again, it changes these neuron firings and it actually helps our brains to grow, which is so cool. So we can rewire important parts of our brains that help regulate how our nervous system functions. So things like self-regulation, emotion regulation, how we engage in relationships, even how we relate to ourselves. And so Dan Siegel calls this mindset. And so this is important because a lot of times we might operate more from one part of our brain or the other. So we have two hemispheres and the right hemisphere is usually more about emotions and relationships. And the left side is more logical and trying to make sense of things and bring meaning. So many of us, right, if we're maybe more overly intellectualized, we're not really connected to our emotions, we have more black and white thinking, we're more rigid, right? That it means that we operate more from our left hemispheres. Or if we tend to be more impulsive, we're impulsive, we're flooded with feelings, we're living all in our sort of right hemisphere, big emotions, it's hard for us to self-regulate, that means that we're really more dominant in our right hemisphere. But what we need for health and wellness is we need integration. That just means we need both. We need our left hemisphere and our right hemisphere both working. And so when we have more integration, both our left and right hemispheres online, it allows us to feel more flexible and adaptive. And so like we talked about before, it helps us to have more options in the moment. So let me give you a different example. So let's imagine I am running late for an appointment and I start to notice this like internal critic, you know, like, oh, you're always late. You're so irresponsible, right? So maybe we have this like critical part. Now I could enter that appointment and be totally like flooded and overwhelmed because of this internal critical judgmental part. And that's a very likely thing that could happen. However, if I'm able to bring awareness or this mindset into the moment, I'm able to see or to watch, oh, I'm having this critical part of me come up. And I also know that like if I'm running a little bit late, everything's going to be okay. I can ground myself to the moment and then I can walk into that appointment Yes, I didn't make the critic go away, but I'm not operating from the place of the critic where I'm overwhelmed and exasperated and perspiring and my heart's racing and I feel so frustrated with myself. I'm walking in from a place of being like, oh, 
I notice I have this critical part coming up right now. And I also notice that I'm safe, everyone's okay, and I can enter that room in a much different state. So again, this ability to watch what's happening, it offers us this separation from what's going on in the moment to be able to make a different decision to be more thoughtful, to be more connected even to who we want to be in that moment. So at any given moment, we're taking in a ton of data, right, from our environment. I think 80 to 90 million bits of data are coming in. And those things are coming in. We've talked about this a little bit before in the form of behaviors, how our body wants to move, emotions, sensations, images, pictures, right, things from our history, and cognitions or thoughts or how we're like making sense or making meaning of it. And much of this we It's happening beneath the surface of our awareness. We're not even really aware that it's happening, but it's driving our behavior or what we're going to do next. And so bringing awareness to these things can be super helpful because integration is essentially the ability to see these different things that are happening to differentiate them and then to link them back together And that may feel a little bit tricky or like, how do I even do that? But just by bringing consciousness or awareness to as many of those things as we have access to can help us to come at it in a more integrated way. And as we're able to become aware, right, then it helps us to be in a more calm, spacious place It also helps us to have more clarity. So as an example of this, you know, if I, let's say, have a big deadline and I also have a child who is trying to get my attention, they need something from me and my phone is dinging, right? That's a lot of stimulus happening. And so not only is there a lot of stimulus, but I'm also having my own internal process of what's going on inside of me. And so in that moment, right, there's no way to respond to all of that. But in that moment, maybe I can notice my feet on the floor and I can notice the chair underneath me. So this is going to be the grounding part. And then I can notice, ooh, I'm feeling really flooded and overwhelmed and I feel like everyone needs me and this is feeling a little stressful and chaotic. And so in that moment, as I check in with myself, maybe I take a few deep breaths, I'm able then to have more clarity. Okay, what first needs my attention? Or I already feel a little bit calmer instead of so crazy and reactive because I've gone inside and I'm watching all of this instead of just being bombarded with the noise from outside of me. So according to Dan Siegel, consciousness is necessary, as far as we can tell, for intentional change to happen. Now, of course, change happens all around us all the time, but if we want something to change, maybe I want to change the way I respond when my kids are having a meltdown, or I want to change how I feel when I am doing something that feels scary or overwhelming to me, 
So in order to change these things, I have to be able to bring consciousness to it. So I wonder for a moment, like, just why don't you check in with yourself as you're listening to this and just notice, is there something in my life that I am wanting to change? And we want to try to do that in a curious way, not in a judgmental way, not in a critical way, like, ugh, I'm the worst, but just in a way that invites, what is it in my life? that I would like to bring some intentionality to? What is it in my life that I would like to change? And so for me, like something, you know, I've kind of mentioned before, I think that is tricky for me is when I feel like I'm getting criticized by my kids and maybe particularly by one of my kids, um, it's more activating for me. And I oftentimes am reactive I don't respond in the way that I want to respond. And so that tells me that in that moment, I do not have, I'm I'm reacting in more of a chaotic way. I'm not reacting in a more integrated way. So let's imagine that my child is having a hard time. The first thing I probably need to do is I need to ground myself because there's a strong likelihood that I might be getting agitated myself or frustrated myself or overwhelmed myself. And if I'm not in touch with that, I am going to be reactive. So the super cool thing is that we can develop mindset in our children by reflecting to them what is going on in their inner world. So for example, my child's having a hard time First, I'm going to ground. Second, I'm going to try to check in with myself to see how I'm doing. Am I able in this moment to watch what's happening, to calm my nervous system in order to connect with my child? Now, many times we're going to want to go into fix it mode or we're going to go into lecture mode or we're going to go into, you know, frustrated parts of ourselves. And instead, We want to connect with them. So to do that, I have to touch that emotion in me that knows what they're going through, right? So if I know that they're sad because they're having a hard time at school with friendships or they're overwhelmed or they're stressed or they're angry, my job is to go inside, notice that feeling in me, and then just reflect something even as simple as, oh, that's so tough. I can see why you're so sad about that. It's really hard to be a kid sometimes. And just this act of reflecting to our kids what is going on or what might be going on, we're checking in with them in their inner world, helps them to develop this mindset. So if you yourself struggle with mindset, the first thing I want you to do is start learning to ground yourself. And I want you to get more of a sense of your emotional world. And so what I mean by that is that we know that being able to name our emotions with granularity is so important to know ourselves and also so important relationally. And so I will link in the show notes a 
two different handouts that you can see which one you like better. And they are all about words that are emotion words. And every day I want you to start practicing once, twice, three times a day, as many times as you can, just noticing how you feel in any given moment. And you might even start making guesses with the people around you, like your kids or your partner, about how they feel. And you can ask them. And what's cool about this is, is that as we all are developing this mindset, if I say, oh, it seems like you're feeling really sad about this, my child can say, no, I'm not sad, actually. I'm so mad or I'm so just frustrated. And so they can help. And that, again, is developing their own mindset because they're going inside themselves to figure out what is it that I am feeling. So this is a great parental hack. But again, it's hard, right? Especially if for ourselves, when we were growing up, maybe no one did this for us. Maybe no one was reflecting what was going on in our inner world. And so this is something where, you know, it may sound cheesy, but part of reparenting ourselves comes into play that as we are older, we know more now, we need to start practicing reparenting ourselves, checking in with ourselves, checking in with how we're feeling and what's going on inside of us. So essentially, we're learning to expand our ability to be reflective and curious in moments all the time, but especially when stress is present. And part of the way that we do this is to practice maybe when there isn't stress. So again, a few times a day, just going inside. And I'm going to give you some really specific strategies for this in a few minutes. But ultimately, we want to be in a state of curiosity, openness, and acceptance of whatever is happening, whatever is going on in front of us. And that can be really hard to do sometimes, right? So I want to acknowledge that this isn't always going to be accessible to us. But the cool thing about our brains is, is that our brains can grow and change across time. They change throughout the lifespan. And we can use the focus of our minds, that part that witnesses or observes, to actually change our brains, to grow our brains, which is why I really am encouraging you to spend time sending electricity to that part of your brain that witnesses, that watches. And so a good way to do this is to ask yourself what questions and how questions. We don't want to say why, why sends excitatory neurochemicals, but we can ask ourselves like, what am I noticing? What's happening inside of me? How am I feeling? So let's move now into the application part of this of like, what do I need to do to strengthen this part of my brain to become more aware, to become more mindful? And so I've talked a lot about Dan Siegel. So he is a person who has developed the wheel of awareness. I find that maybe especially at the beginning, this might be a little bit trickier or like a little bit more advanced, but He does have a great guided meditation on this wheel of awareness. And so I will link that as well as some other things from him that are super helpful. 
if you do go with the wheel of awareness, it's really looking first at like, what are my five senses first? So the grounding part, what can I touch, taste, smell, see, hear? Then you move to the internal part of your body. What sensations am I having? We know that sensations are often in response to different emotions or emotional knowings or, you know, history that's coming up. Then we're going to move our awareness to our mental activities of feelings, thoughts, and memories. And finally, to our interconnectedness or our sense of connection to other people and to nature. I think there's maybe some easier ways that are a little bit more accessible to get into this practice. Um, One thing would just be to listen to some guided meditations to help you start to learn this awareness, to learn to bring your mind back to focus. And, you know, as we know, our minds are prone to wander as they do, right? But you're practicing learning to, as it wanders, to bring it back to what it is that you're noticing or bring it back to your breath. We also know that things like there's something called stop. This is a great uh, strategy, even really to teach kids, but I think it's great for ourselves too. So when we're in the moment and we notice that we're getting, you know, either more rigid, more chaotic, we're feeling more overwhelmed or stressed or upset, it's called the acronym is STOP. So S stands for stop. T stands for take a deep breath. So this is a deliberate and mindful breath focusing on the inhale and exhalation. O stands for observe. This is the mindful part, right? Acknowledge your thoughts, feelings, and the environment without judgment, but just with curiosity, like what's happening around me? What am I noticing inside? And then P, which is to proceed mindfully. So then what's my next step? How do I proceed with intentionality? So again, this is something that we could use in our households with ourselves, with our kids, um, just to kind of help us to create that pause when there is stress, when there is overwhelm, when there are big feelings happening. In my therapy practice, um, I use what's called BASIC. It's That's another acronym, and it's part of interpersonal neurobiology, and it's just tracking neural networks. But what it stands for is behavior, affect, sensation, images, and cognitions. And so basically, right, we're lear- we learn how to track what does my body want to do right now? What behaviors are happening? What sensations are associated with ways that my body might want to move? Affect or emotion, sensations. What's, what sensations are happening inside of me right now? What images or pictures or sensory fragments or metaphorical images are coming to mind? What thoughts am I having about this? Or what's the meaning I'm having about this? So you can see that there's overlap in these different things because the whole idea is just to bring awareness in order to respond and in order to change our brains. So I am going to link below some different meditations, some different things that you can do. But I do want to just say, while it might sound tricky and it might sound stressful or like, why would anyone want to do this? 
I do promise you that it will help you not only to feel happier over time with practicing more of this because you'll be more present. You'll be still, of course, on autopilot a little bit because that's part of just being human, but you'll hopefully be more present in your life and in your relationships. You can have more awareness, but also you'll be being more in line with the person that you want to be because you'll be able to have that pause between whatever happens, whatever the stimulus is, and then whatever you're going to do next because there's that time. And also it's going to improve your relationships because you're going to know yourself better. And that is going to be helpful in relating to other people. And I did just want to add a side note that when I was talking to my husband a little bit about what I was talking about today on the podcast, I kind of ran him through it. And at first, I think bringing attention and awareness first created a little bit more stress in his system because he was aware all of a sudden of all the like thoughts and all the things happening inside. So I just want to normalize like that might happen at first. And if that happens, the initial thing that you want to do is you want to ground yourself. You want to remind your body that you're safe. So the way we can do this, we can look outside at the horizon. We can take a few deep breaths. We can do that grounding with our senses. But we want to first ground ourselves. And then, and this is a great practice to do with someone or especially like with a therapist, but then you want to start to separate out the different things because when it's a big cluster, it's like spaghetti. It feels like so much if you just are starting like, if you're having like a hard day or something and you just start thinking of all the things you have to do and all the thoughts you're having and all the feelings you're having. So instead you want to start to separate those out. So kind of like, I think of it like taking, an, if there's the gob of spaghetti, you're taking a noodle out and you're laying it down. Okay. So one of the noodles is that I'm feeling stressed. And the next noodle is that I'm feeling a little bit sad. And the next noodle is that I'm thinking about how I need to make this call. And how am I feeling toward making that call? Well, it makes me feel a little overwhelmed. But you can see by slowing down this process and checking in even about how we feel toward each of these things, while we're doing this sort of grounding, it can help to calm and settle the nervous system. But I just didn't want you to feel worried if you start to practice this and your initial reaction is to feel more overwhelmed. I also would say that if you're a person who isn't very in touch with your feelings, sometimes it can feel really hard to start getting in touch with those feelings. And so again, this would be a time when you would want to seek support. You would want to seek maybe a therapist um, or a therapy group or a support group of some sort. If you're having a hard time or recognize like, I want to get to know myself better, but man, it feels really daunting or really scary or overwhelming. So I hope you found something from today helpful. I would really like to hear what you want to hear about on this podcast. So if there's something you want to know more about, about mental health or about therapy or the therapy process, anything like that, I would love to hear about that. And you can shoot me an email at jen.ally.therapist at gmail.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening and I'll look forward to seeing you next time.